I mean, the way these cameras are set, I guess in uh, um, somewhere somewhere at the thirty minute mark, I'll go black, but I'll press a button and I'll be back very quickly. So. Sure. Three, two, one. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino. And my guest today is the founder of Shemassian Academic Consulting and one of the world's foremost experts on medical school admissions, college admissions, and graduate school admissions. For nearly 20 years, he and his team have helped thousands of students get into medical school and top colleges using his systematic approach. Welcome, everybody. Shirak Shemassian. Hey, nice to, nice to be on, Simon. Thank you for having me. Shirak, what are you currently creating? What am I currently creating? Um, really just working right now to, you know, bolster foundational uh, systems within our company. You know, as, as you grow, I've learned, uh, Simon, that, you know, some things that worked when you were a fraction of the size don't work as well now. So you always have to you know, scale up your systems and the way you approach things at work um, along with the, you know, size that you are. Um, as far as in terms of new creations, really doubling down right now on our YouTube channel, uh, that's a very important thing for me. Um, I've observed that, you know, despite blogging very successfully for years now, uh, there's something that just can't be replicated uh, in terms of face-to-face. -face. And I found that, you know, our, our audience really craves um, hearing from me and hearing from, you know, the experts on our team. And so um, just rethinking our entire YouTube strategy as far as the types of content we create, the way it looks, the way it flows. Um, so it's really just, again, focusing on those internal systems and, uh, you know, bolstering the YouTube channel. Seems basic, but there are so many layers to it. So what kind of things do you need to scale up for the people who don't know you? What, how, how are you growing? What do you need to systemize even more? Sure. So, you know, students come to us at various points in their college or medical school admissions journeys. So, you know, I'm not sure how familiar folks um, who are listening um, are to the US sort of admission system, but there are so many pieces to it. When someone is right about to apply to a school, they have to write all these different essays, they have to choose the right schools, they have to request letters of recommendation. But years before the process begins, as far as taking the right courses, taking the right exams, and all this kind of stuff. So basically having um, clear systems for tracking student work, making sure that they're all plugged in. Because some students are very, you know, they stay on top of things. Some students sometimes disappear when there's a test and then they come back and they have to play catch up. So making sure that, you know, we understand the better or the ebbs and flows of student work um, and figure out, okay, well, if how do we change our timelines according to, you know, how students are behaving? So if someone's really on top of it, that's great. You can sort of stretch out the work a little bit more. If someone is, you know, the type of person who does things more at the last minute, well, we have to change our sort of deliverable dates and things like that. So getting much more sophisticated with, with student traffic and tracking um, and making sure that, you know, with all the students that we're supporting that, every, you know, no one's slipping through the cracks, making sure that we're always on top of it. Um, so those are really the big things. As far as the, on the, on the YouTube side, uh, because we're, you know, publishing consistently every week, and, you know, there are, there are writers, um, I have to record with a videographer, there's editing and stuff like that, making sure that all of our um, systems for that are, are really in place. So having, 
you know, videos, um, the first draft by a certain date, having to edit it by this date, making sure that all the different people are sort of talking to each other and making things go live. And it's going well. Um, and, you know, continuing to just tweak kinks here and there. How often do you publish content? Um, on our blog, um, about two pieces a week uh, and on our YouTube channel, once a week. And uh, how big is your team? So you have somebody writing, then somebody uh, recording, which is you, then somebody editing, somebody publishing. Mm. What are the roles? Yeah. Sure. As far as a YouTube uh, video, yeah, I, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day, Simon. People always say, like, just grab your iPhone and start recording. That's all you need. Well, to do things well, I think there are just so many. I'm sure you know as well with your podcast and, and everything. There are just so many layers to it. So for a typical uh, YouTube video, you know, we'll have someone on our team who's a writer, write a script. Um, I'll review it just to make sure that we're getting the intended message across. It'll go back to them and maybe back to me. And then once that's finalized, you know, we have to have a recording date. And so we have a local videographer who'll come and we'll actually shoot in my office. It's sort of set up like a studio um, and then he'll edit it um, and then send it back to me. I'll review. I'll have my assistant, you know, do a final check. Hey, did the, you know, did the edits I requested, did those all go through and then I'll upload it um, and it'll, it'll go live. So I guess four, four people would touch um, every YouTube video. Cool. I don't have a writer yet. How did how did you find the writer? How do I find the writer? Um, well, we have some people on our team uh, who consult with students who actually help people get into you know great schools um, and they're writers. Um, I mean, they've gone to great colleges, but they're writers by training, and so they were the first person to go to. So I never I never randomly looked like or looked for a random writer online. Um, I feel like there are, I mean, even with, um, even with people who are trained writers, it's very different writing, you know, a poem or a novel, uh, than it is, you know, writing, uh, essentially copywriting, right. Or, or doing this kind of educational content where we also want to engage the reader. Um, the thing that uh, I, I found that folks struggle with the most is trying to understand what the other person might be thinking at each point in a video or in a piece of blog content, Right. So a lot of people can write, you know, good, grammatically correct, um, you know, all the information's there, but it doesn't necessarily give the person the feeling like, oh my gosh, like you knew exactly what I was thinking. And, and that's where there's just so much training and you have to really invest in people because they're not going to, you know, it's not like, oh, I hired a writer, I paid my problem away, it's done. No, there's, you, to do it well, again, you have to keep um, your pulse on these things. Who, who do they study to become better? Like, for example, I study Stephen Colbert uh, mm. every evening because I, he has writers and he is in it himself. And I can see the process when I look at that. Uh, how, how do you train your staff? Who do they study? So my, my, my staff doesn't study anyone. Um, when I edit their work, um, I, I never edit anything just you know just fixing the words or giving generic comment like make this more specific or something like that i tell them why something is pretty good but what it doesn't yet do and for it to be great it needs to do this other thing and here's an example of how that other thing should be done um so i you know when i send comments back i tend to give sort of longer feedback um, because I found that that's the most helpful for people. So not mm -hmm. just saying, I want this, 
but explaining why you want that thing and why right now it's good, but not quite there yet. Um, and that's what I found that's really nice. But, you know, with uh, with someone who full-time writes for a single, you know, does a single type of writing, whether it's Stephen Colbert's writers or somebody else, you know, you have to remember that they're focusing on that kind of writing. Day in, day out, they write for Stephen Colbert. Um, if you told them, okay, now I want poetry, they're not going to be as good at that. And so you have to recognize too, unless someone is full-time writing your blog copy or YouTube copy or whatever the case might be, um, you know, they're, they're sort of going to be jumping back and forth between different types of writing. And there's also an issue with that because they're, you know, the headspace for this type of writing is different than this type of writing. And so you just have to constantly tune and refine, but it gets better over time. It's just that in the beginning, you feel like, oh boy, I thought, I thought I hired a writer and, you know, this was going to be all, all gravy, but you know, there's, there's more to it and you have to put in the time. And so you take the time to teach them because you know in your mind how the flow should be. How do you come up with the flow? Where did you learn it? Mm. Um, so, well, good question. I think there are a few uh, there are a few ways I can answer that. the The first is, I mean, I've I've written a lot of blog content uh, over the years. So I started blogging, boy, I don't know now, maybe seven years ago. And in the beginning. You know, I used to write very generic content. So, you know, so stuff like, you know, have you ever had a moment where you did, you know, just like sounding like a lot of other blogs out there? Because I would look, you know, I would read stuff online and I thought, oh, that's how blogging's done. And because I speak with a lot of students and parents who are thinking about the admissions process, I started listening to the words that they were using, the questions they were asking, the the pains they were having, when I said something, what their response was. So I, I picked up all the patterns. I, I took pages and pages and pages and pages of notes of what they were saying and why. Or if they asked a question, what was the question actually behind that, right? Mm. And so by, by just getting a lot of those repetitions and that experience, I was able to essentially feel, okay, if I write this sentence, it's going to trigger this question. If I answer this question, it might trigger this other question. If I say this thing, it might worry someone about this other thing. And and so I started writing in that way. And, you know, actually probably two, three years into to blogging, Simon, um, I, I looked back at some of the older posts and I was like, this is this is terrible. Like I have to, and so I like went back and fixed. So, so it's not like, you know, um, it's not like I was born doing this naturally. Um, but you just have to you continue to refine that and anything. I think that you get uh, incredible amounts of experience and then you, you know, you get much better over time. So now I can, you know, look at a, a blog, blog content and figure out pretty quickly what's wrong with it, how it can be, you know, 10 times better. And, and usually it's like quite right that like, I think most people can like get to this level just by, you know, writing a lot, but then to get to this level, you have to, you have to really think about what you're writing and why. Um, and I think that's what great copy is, understanding what the other person's thinking at every point. I guess, people, if you're listening right now and you don't have a blog, but you want to start creating content and go and study his, his first posts and now his last posts, so that you see the whole development. And also you see that you don't have to be perfect with the first piece of content. And usually the, the first 50 are practice. 
and uh, and then you get better year by year. I am so curious who you pick for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategysprints.com. When everybody zigs, this person is zagging. But from your perspective, they are doing they are doing the right thing. Who do you pick for the award? Yeah. So, you know, as I as I've been thinking, you know, going back to YouTube, YouTube content and strategy, uh, someone whose work uh, has really resonated with me is a gentleman named uh, Ali Abdal. Who Ali? Knows, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't know him. Um, I've never met him. I've never spoken. I know him well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I just, um, the reason why I really admire him and his work um, is just because, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, be vulnerable and connect with your audience, be yourself and all that kind of stuff. And I've just found that he, he saw, he's so good at that. Um, you know, he, it seems, I don't know him in person. I don't know what he's really like, but he gives you, at least he gives you the feeling that what he is on video the way he is on video is just as he is in person and um you know the you know sometimes he he does things in his videos where you know i feel like most people who are starting out with cringe like oh that might be unprofessional or ooh i shouldn't say that but, but i think people really connect with him because feels like a real person and he on top of that he gives incredible advice and so you know a lot of people talk the talk, so to speak, right? Where they're saying, be yourself, do this, do that. But he's actually doing it and incredibly successfully. And he's incredibly likable, it seems. I, again, I don't know him, but um, it's. Uh, I feel like it would be hard to dislike him. And it's because he, he just sort of puts himself out there. And whether or not he feels a lot of uh, self-consciousness when he does that, I don't know. Maybe he's developed that muscle over time. But it's just incredible to see um, how he how he does that so naturally. Yes, yes, absolutely. He's also uh, somebody in our masterminds from from mm -hmm. from who we learn storytelling from. He's the oh, storyteller. He's so authentic, and the real Ali is like is exactly like in the I'm video. I'm not surprised. Yeah, and and he starts always with "Hey friends," and that's how he he he. Well, first of all, storytelling and um, years and years and years of mm -hmm. practice. But then especially he takes his, his audience very seriously. He knows exactly who he's talking to. And um, he creates for them. He wants to be of value. And then he has some, some, some branding moments that he always has constant. For example, starting with Hey Friends. And then he picks up some stuff that people do in the comments, like insanely productive or Gymshark or whatever they pick up, he reuses and he plays with it. And so, yes, there is a lot to be learned from Ali Abdal. Um, yeah, thank you for nominating him. Yeah, he's terrific. Three books that inspired you a lot. Yeah, so these are books that I read years ago. Um, and I, you know, I, I always go back to this. So the first one is a book um, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a very famous book. And, you know, a lot of it is about, you know, real on its face, it looks a lot about like real estate and building passive income and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's really about, you know, changing your mindset about how to achieve, um, you know, financial independence, what that even means. And the, the reason why I, I found this really powerful is because years ago, 
uh, when I was, you know, the first introduced to entrepreneurship, it was by a good friend of mine, my best friend. He's like, read this book. I thought it was really good. And, um, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I, I don't even know if I've read it since then. I probably read it over 10 years ago now. But, you know, I was like, man, these are really interesting ideas. And I think at the end, there was like a book list, like read these other books too. And so it, um, it, inf- sort of, it was really important for me in my life, especially at the time, because it set me down this path of learning about, you know, personal growth and entrepreneurship and things like that. But the two other books that I think were incredibly um, helpful to me, you know, growing up with parents who aren't entrepreneurial at all, you know, they had escaped a war-torn country. I was sort of, you know, brought up in the States thinking a lot about like security and get a good job and be safe and all this kind of stuff. Um, so books, two books that really pushed me were uh, Think and Grow Rich um, by Napoleon Hill. Um, that's that's a classic. The other one's also a classic. Uh, it would be How to Win Friends and Influence People. So going back to, you know, copywriting and things like this, I think people, Simon, will see books and they'll see um, advice and they'll think something might be outdated or they'll see on its face, oh, think, what do you mean how to win friends and influence people? What do you mean smile and, you know, say someone's name? What do you mean, uh, you know, ask about them? You know, it seems so simple, uh, but when you actually put it into practice and you're in a social situation or a sales situation or whatever, most people just kind of go to their default. And so putting this into practice is incredibly tough. And it again, it influences my copywriting too. It's what do they care about? I've just always thought that, you know, no one, uh, and I don't mean this in a self-effacing way, but no one cares about me, right? No one's dying to know, um, you know, about me. They care about me in so far as I can help them, right? And so the information I give, you know, even if it's about me or vulnerable or whatever, it's to connect with them. And and people are, you know, are self-interested, not in a bad way, but because they have a problem and they're coming to you because they want the solution, so they want you to focus on them, their issues, to think about what their questions might be. And uh, How to Win Friends um, is probably the single most influential book for me. That has came up so many times. So it's still a very helpful book. Uh, it's amazing yeah, how long yeah. how long it has impact. Beautiful. Um, what are you excited about looking forward with your blog? Yeah, looking forward with the blog. So some one of the projects um, that I'm really pumped about wrapping up right now is um, for for medical schools here, there's a test called the MCAT. Um, it's the medical college admissions test. If people are familiar with the SAT or the ACT for um, undergraduate colleges, this is sort of the, te- the big test for medical school. And I know that test prep, you know, is really, really expensive. And so people, you know, have to buy these multiple hundred dollar books, go to these courses and things like this. And um, I decided early last year, I want to put all of the content on our site for free um, for that exam. And um, it's a beast. So if you buy this stuff in a book, it's like, you know, it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. These mass. So we're essentially putting the whole thing on our site um, for people who either can't afford it or. Uh, you know, don't want to buy or or want to supplement their prep. And we're almost done with that. Um, I thought it was like really, really crazy when we thought of it last year. So it's taken, you know, over a year to to really get that down. And I think in the next few months, it'll be all done. So that's something I'm really excited about for folks to share it. It's just incredible, Simon, how many people in the comments are engaging with it. 
you know, with practice questions asking for, hey, I know the answer is this, but I thought it was this. Could you explain? And so there's sort of this like community building. Um, and that was not our intention. It was just to put the content up. And, and it's really cool to see people engaging with it. And, you know, from there, we may, you know, develop a, a course on the exam or, or something of that sort. But right now, I'm just really pumped to get it out for free for everybody. Super cool. And uh, where can people read your blog? What's what's the best address to go? Yeah, they can go to shamasian.com. Um, so S-H-E-M-M-A-S-S-I-A-N. I'm sure you'll link to it. Um, and then in the top navigation, there's blog. And depending on whether you're interested in you know, medical school admissions or college admissions or whatever the case might be, um, that's the best place to go. And then again, same name on the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, I years ago when I um, started the business, I, I put my name on it because I had no business training. I didn't think about what that might mean. Obviously, Shamasian is not the most intuitive name uh, to type. But the, the fortunate thing um, is that, you know, you're, you're not going to confuse our name with somebody else's company because it doesn't sound like anything else. So so pros and cons. Um, but, yeah, you can find us that way. Well, in terms of SAO, is it easy for you to 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 be absolutely uniquely found, or or is it just or does it make everything harder? No, I, I don't think we've uh, I don't think we've struggled at all with um, with SEO as far as you know my my name impacting things um, because you know back back in the day when I was you know I started blogging Simon it was I didn't know anything about blogging right like I said I didn't know anything about SEO and I was working with students and they kept asking questions. I wanted to send them resources online. I didn't find anything I liked enough. And so I started writing and I said, okay, if I'm the right, I want this to cover everything about this topic. And so started writing very comprehensively and then strangers started calling me. Whereas before there was mostly word of mouth. And I was like, who are these people? How are they? And they're like, oh, I found you on Google. I'm like, what do you mean? And, and they're like, oh, your stuff shows up. I'm, I was like, what? And you know, so like when you're a Google user and you're not experienced with SEO things, <clears throat> You know, I was surprised. I was like, well, how does Google choose what to put? And so over time, I think as our site has become more authoritative in our niche, you know, Google also recognizes that. So they now probably associate my name with, you know, these admissions processes. And so it's worked out just fine. Also, in terms of SEO, I learned from an SEO guru who was here a couple of days ago that the Google ranks for trust and expertise in trust um, the trust uh, backlinks, the best ones on the whole planet are universities. Yep. And I'm on your blog right now, and I see there Yale, Stanford, Northwestern, Berkeley, UCLA. That's very good for findability. Yeah, and it's and it you know aligns perfectly with our niche. You know, we help students get into these places, and um, over time too. And this was just you know, it's not something we did on purpose, but. There have been major universities that have like linked to our site um, because they're like, oh, if you want help on, you know, they might have like a career office at the university and they're like, oh, you know, if you want more reading on this, go to this. And then we're like, oh, wow, that's amazing to get a link from that university. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's been very fortuitous. Absolutely. How do you see the the education system in the U.S. in general? Is it still helpful, fair, pushing towards freedom of possibilities? Wow, that's a that's a very loaded question, and you're asking it at a very interesting time because um, because of COVID, uh, there is so much that has been disrupted. 
So with medical school admissions, for instance, what ended up happening this past admission cycle is because so many of the MCAT test dates were canceled and uprooted and things like this, two things happened. Number one is some schools went test optional, meaning for the first time, like you didn't have to take the MCAT. And we actually helped people get into even Stanford Medical School without an MCAT score, which was literally impossible a year ago. And I don't know how much that trend will continue. But what ended up happening too is, uh, you know, there was this, the whole Fauci effect, right? Um, fellow Italian, right? Where he, uh, where everyone was like, wow, this, he's making such a big difference in the world. I really do want to pursue healthcare. So we saw applications go up by like 20%. And so it was tougher than ever. And, and so that's really impacted admissions. On the college side, the changes are probably even more disruptive um, because pretty much every school went ACT or SAT optional this last cycle. And people were nervous about, well, you know, where am I going to get in? So uh, students applied to more schools last year than ever. And so a lot of students who probably wouldn't make it into certain universities because of their SAT or ACT, you know, might have gotten in. Others who had really high scores because it became optional or some schools didn't accept it, like the University of California system, they didn't get into places that they would have in other years, right? And so what is that fair? Is that not fair? That's a huge question in the in the United States, because a lot of those issues, you know, are tied up very intimately with, you know, race and socioeconomic status and um, what that allows for achievement and all these different things. And so, you know, some people would argue, well, now it is more equitable, but then some folks who have done very well academically who didn't get in, they'll say, well, it's supposed to be merit based. And I did all the right things. Why am I not getting rewarded for that? So it's a very, very, very complicated question in the United States. Where is it heading? Um, I think there is, you know, I think in the next uh, few years, um, we're going to see, again, a lot of disruption. Folks that historically might have not gotten in, get in. Folks who historically might have, uh, might not now. And, uh, and we have to adjust. But I think it brings up the importance of what you're doing outside of the classroom. Um, your extracurricular achievements, um, what you're doing within your community, because, you know, student uh, colleges and universities are looking for leaders and, you know, folks they would consider, you know, quote unquote, citizens of the world and folks who actually care about doing good things rather than just, you know, achieving at a high, high level inside the classroom. So that's a that's a big change. I think it's something that we've already seen trending over the years, the focus on what you do outside the classroom. But I think it just went to a whole different level um, this past cycle. Super cool. Um, who should be my next guest? Who should be your next guest? Um, someone I really enjoy, um, you know, personally, but also professionally. There's a gentleman in my neck of the woods in Southern California, uh, Matthew LaRiva. Um, I strongly encourage you to contact him. He's somebody who is just so thoughtful about business. I've, I've spoken with him on multiple occasions. He focuses on ACT and SAT test prep. So related to, to my, my niche, I guess. And uh, just the way he thinks about, you know, business. And I've seen him make key changes and key hires um, to, to really boost, you know, like marketing efforts and sales efforts. And, um, and he sometimes refers people to me, I refer people to him. And everyone who comes to comes to me from him just raves about how well he takes care of his students. So if you want to talk about, you know, service delivery, and, you know, business strategy, I think he'd be terrific. Super cool. Is there anything I forgot to ask you? Boy, um, anything you forgot to ask me? Uh, 
Uh, nothing comes to mind just yet, um, but uh, but surely something will pop up. I enjoyed this interview so much. Everybody, go to shemassianconsulting.com. And uh, this is where you find the blog and you find also all the wisdom and uh, the journey of Shirak Shemassian. Thank you so much for being here, sharing your journey, your wisdom with us. Please come back soon. Thanks for having me. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.